1: So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. See website for details.
1: Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Friday edition, Labor Day weekend edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson And My goodness, there are certain shows that are already made to order. Getting you into a holiday weekend. So you got a lot to unpack here. We have a lot to unpack here. And where are we going to begin? We're going to begin with the New York Knickerbockers once again, missing out on the big ticket item. The Knicks and Donovan Mitchell felt like a match made in heaven. It felt like the Knicks were the front runners to get the local native, the diehard Med fan, the guy who can get buckets, the guy who in many ways got away from them a few years ago when they inexplicably took Frank Neil Aquino. I can't even say inexplicable because the Knicks have had so many awful draft picks over the years. So it looked like this was going to be the time. This was going to be the moment. Mitchell ends up being a Knick. Not to be. Afternoon, I get the notification. It's Sexton, it's marketing, it's this guy, it's that guy. Bunch of unprotected picks. And the Cleveland Cavaliers now compare Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell and have that in their backcourt. Good for them. The Knicks miss out on an opportunity to go and get a big star. Now, a couple of different feelings on this. I wanted Mitchell. I think anybody who's listening to this show knows my feelings on Mitchell despite his defensive shortcomings. Despite the fit, potentially, with Jalen Brunson in the backcourt, Knicks need a star. They, they 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 need a star. This was a guy who I thought, boom, fit that profile. I wanted him. I wanted Mitchell. But I wanted to keep R.J. Barrett at the same time. So, where do I feel? Where do I stand? What is my take on the Knicks and where they stand. I understand not parting with Barrett. I think Barrett's upside, his potential, his growth is something you want as a part of the franchise. We have not done a podcast since he got his extension a couple of days ago. Well-deserved. Kind of sent you a signal maybe potentially that Donovan Mitchell was not going to end up here. So I, I, I understand that from a Knicks perspective. There's also a report out there from Moe saying Utah was offered Barrett. Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, before he ended up getting his extension and a couple of unprotected firsts and that the Utah Jazz were not willing to do business. They were not willing to tango. I'm glad the Knicks didn't make that trade because I didn't want to trade Bear. But my frustration continues to be with this franchise. What is the end game we are looking at for bona fide, legitimate star players coming to town? Because it sure seems like every time one becomes available and every time one is linked to the New York Knicks, the Knicks don't find a way to get it done. Now, you can credit this regime for being patient or you can be critical and say, well, look, it's now time to act. It's now time to put the wheels in motion. And look, I'm not delusional. If the Knicks had traded for Donovan Mitchell with the Eastern Conference being the way that it is, I, I still don't think they're a top four or five seed. But you're more appealing down the road for whoever the next guy may be. The Knicks, as they currently stand, all right, they're running their business in a better manner. They're being more practical with draft picks. They're they're overvaluing a guy like Quentin Grimes, so I like. But I mean, uh, some of the reports you hear, and they are like Drew and Quentin Grimes, they couldn't even play him last year. So they're being a little bit more practical. Great later, they got to make a big move here because this regime won't survive the fan base and the, the magnitude of New York if they don't go and get themselves a big star at some point. I mean, with CAA and all the connections, that's what I was assuming. That's what I was being led down that road to, dare I say, believe. Mitchell, all of his New York ties go by the boards. I get not passing R.J. Barrett to Utah. I do. I didn't want to make that move, but once again, the Knicks fall short and I'm trying to figure out the end game because next year, these are teams that are better than the Knicks. Boston's better. Milwaukee is better. Miami is better. Philadelphia is better. Toronto is better. Cleveland is better. The Brooklyn Nets are better. I mean, I just gave you seven teams in the Eastern conference without hesitation that are better than the New York Knicks. So you can applaud the fact that they're patient. You can applaud the fact that they're trying to do their business the right way. But where's it going? And that's my question. Missing out on yet another star. Here's the question. Who's next? Who are we linking to the New York Knickerbockers between now and December and February? And I, I, how many times am I going to hear, oh, so-and-so's coming to the Knicks? I'm so over it. I'm so over it. So I'm glad they kept Barrett. But I'm also kind of bummed over the idea that the Knicks can't find a way to get it done. So Donovan Mitchell goes to Cleveland. We can put that conversation to bed. So much for that reunion. What a couple of days for the New York Mets. Wednesday was electric. DeGrom was electric. Brandon Nimmo robs the home run from Justin Turner and they end up winning that game. They got Timmy Trumpets on the field. And let's be honest with the Mets. How many times do the Mets go down that road Timmy Trumpets on the field, Diaz coming in, and Diaz would go and give up four or five runs. That would be the usual for the New York Mets. It's different. Diaz comes in, he's unhittable. It's not a repeat of the Baja men and who let the dogs out. No, the hell with that. is too damn good. And then in Thursday afternoon's game, the Mets fall behind. They got to outlast Quentin Kershaw, but they get to that Dodger bullpen. Windor, big hit, comes through, steals third base, finds a way to score, get a little insurance. And I got to say this regarding Buck Walter. Even though Diaz gets touched up in the eighth inning, I applaud the fact that he sticks to his guns and continues to go with a format that has been very successful for the Mets. Diaz against the best hitters in the eighth inning and then relying on whoever it may be in the ninth inning to go and shut the door, to go and do the job. And I got to give Adovino credit. I have ripped them a lot. I have told you Mets fans I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't believe in them in a big spot, a big situation. And maybe that's the PTSD from the Yankees kicking in or what I saw with Boston last year. Adam Adovino has been a godsend for the Mets. The guy's pitching with 201 ERA. Godsend. Pitched brilliantly again today. Striking out two Los Angeles Dodgers. Mr. Park Slope, I give credit where credit is due. We call on New York athletes when we feel they're not holding up their weight and, you know, pulling their end of the bargain. I of know done that in a Met uniform. So I applaud you, pal. You've been far better than I thought you were going to be in a Met uniform. So the Mets should feel good about themselves. They went two out of three here, and now they are positioned to go and cruise in the month of September because of the schedule they play. I know the Braves are really good. I know the Braves are going to push the Mets to some degree. The Mets are playing Cupcake City until they play the Atlanta Braves at the end of the year. And at this rate, I would expect the Mets to keep steamrolling. You got the and Scherzer. You got Bassett. Got to get that lineup going a little bit more. But a whole lot of positives taking two out of three from the best team in baseball. So job well done by the Mets. We saved the best for last. And this would have been a lead on a whole lot of nights. But when Donovan Mitchell gets traded and the Mets make a statement like they did against the Los Angeles Dodgers, I'm bearing it a little bit. But if I would have told you in late July, trade deadline, late July, even early August, for goodness sakes, that the New York Yankees would be in a predicament that on Labor Day weekend, you'd be sweating about the American League East. let's put it this way. If you had called with that voicemail or you had suggested that to me on a Spotify live, I would have said you're a moron. You're an absolute idiot. Take a chill pill. You don't know what you're talking about. Those would have been my words. So thankfully I did not get that call from a particular Yankee fan. Guess what? This weekend, next weekend, Yankees have six games coming up with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's time to start sweating. I'm sweating. The division lead is down to six. The Yankees are only five up in the loss column. Anthony Rizzo is going to see a back specialist, and he's not going to play this weekend. And the Yankees had a road trip against the A's and the Angels, two teams that are god-awful, and went three and four. That is unacceptable. And Wednesday was one of the worst losses of the year between IKF Booting the ball at shortstop. Thank heavens, Paraza, is up here. To hear Aaron Boone after the game trying to lecture you on IKF's defense, please spare me. I don't, want, I don't want to even hear what potential defensive metric it might be. Have you watched him at shortstop this year? He has not done the job. I get Aaron doesn't want to bash his player. Don't tell me he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. Take that narrative and stick it with his son. Don't shine. I don't want to hear that nonsense. That was a killer for the Yankees last night. You know what else stunk? Garrett Cole throwing Otani a 2-0 meatball. B and A's, for goodness sakes. You know, I got into a passionate debate in a Yankee chat I'm in. And, you know, I deal with an apologist every now and again, thinks I like Alex Cora too much. Guess what? He he wipes the floor with our manager. I mean, who the hell are we kidding? I mean, if you had a choice between the two and you would take Aaron Boone, you're certifiably insane. You might as well go to the Asylum if you're going to be that stupid. And don't tell me a manager don't matter when you see what Buck is doing with the Mets. But I digress. You know, I, I got these apologists telling me I'm too hard on Cole last night. Yes, that line was fine. Whoop-de-freaking-do. Make a big pitch. How about you pick your teammate up, for goodness sakes? As subpar as that area is from IKF, go pick your teammate up. He doesn't do that. Pitch carefully around Otani and get Renjifo award. Don't let Ohtani beat you there. That's stupid, stubborn pitching. So that pissed me off. And then I got to watch Glaber and Donaldson in the ninth inning. The Yankees get a gift with Judge and Stan walking. You got first and second, one run game. Would it kill one of those knuckleheads to get a big hit? Donaldson is all cooked all year. I was dead wrong on him. He's done nothing. And Glaber, and I don't want to hear these excuses. You know, I, I saw this earlier today. Oh, his feelings are hurt because he was involved in trade rumors. Sack up, man. What kind of nonsense is that? You're on the team. Stop being so damn sensitive and go and play. Maybe if you played well, your name wouldn't be in trade rumors. I mean, please. Some of you people out there with these apology theories, get out of here. It's nonsense. So the Yankees go to Tampa. They better play well. They get swept this weekend. I'm nervous about the division. Is that fair to say? I still think they're going to win it. I still think when it's all said and done, Nestor back, Sevy back, they get Carpenter maybe at some point. They better not lose the division. They're up by like 15 and a half games. It'll basically be 78 Red Sox. 07 Mets, 2022 Yankees. You don't want to be a part of that category. I mean, the fact that I'm sweating my over 91 and a half is a disgrace. I mean, that's an absolute disgrace. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Yankees need to play well here. Enough is enough. Go to Tampa. I hope Peraza gives him a spark. He better play every day. What I would do now, well, May is it first. Peraza is it short. As Waldo can can bounce around, as far as I'm concerned. That means Donaldson sits, so be it. If that means Torres sits, so be it. You gotta hit in order to play. Thank heavens the Yankees finally came to their senses with Peraza. Thank freaking heavens. But six games now with Tampa. And there's no beating around the bush. These are big games for the Yankees. Because if the Yankees go one and five or two and four in these games, you got to sweat on your hands for the division title, which was unthinkable a month ago. I told you we had a loaded show, loaded show every which way. We'll take your calls right out of the gate. Voicemail's coming up. Then we'll hit my main man, Zach Brazil, who spent all summer with the Knicks. College football's coming up. His Mets, they, they are the talk of the town as far as I'm concerned. So I thought it'd be a good time to welcome in Zach to give us a little uh, Renaissance man around the horn, New York Post extraordinaire style. He's going to join us. We'll set the stage for the weekend. We have a big guest coming up on Sunday, and we have a big announcement coming next podcast. I'm telling you, it's coming, and I know I keep teasing it. It's coming next podcast. That I can promise you. So, big announcement coming over your Labor Day weekend, but we're going to get you into Labor Day weekend with a bang. Voicemails, loaded New York sports stack. They're coming up next.
2: This episode is brought to you by cars.com.
1: All right, voicemail time. These should be interesting. 917-382-1151. And we're going to have a Spotify live maybe tomorrow night after the Yankee game. Saturday, I'm going to be too busy watching the college football. And then Sunday, pod, Charles Davis from the NFL on CBS is going to join us. So uh, it's a loaded couple of days around here. And then next week, the NFL season starts. I mean, how crazy is that? All right, voicemails right out of the gate. Stefan, fire away.
0: J.J., it's Lucas from Stanford. And for the first time since 2019, when D.D. Gregorius was manning shortstop, the Yankees finally had a competent player at shortstop. Isaiah conner I don't care what the metrics say, I've never been less confident in yet any Yankee defender in my life than I was at IKF. Every ground ball that seemed to come his way. You had to hold your breath. Was he going to come up with a clean? Was he going to make a clean throw to first base? It was a constant headache. And the fact that Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman have the audacity to say to the public and the media that he's one of the best defenders at shortstop in the game is a flat-out atrocity. Thank God as Waldo Peraza is back with this team. Who knows if he'll actually be, you know, a difference maker or not, but, man, the Yankees team is a fresh blood, a new face, and as long as it's not Isaiah Karnapalapa, I am good. He thinks he can't hit. He's a 260 hitter, doesn't draw a walk, occasionally gets a single. That's always good for. But the New York Yankees, how dare they go into a season with Isaiah Kainer-Folefa as the starting shortstop. What a joke.
1: I'm not going to kill him for going with IKF at the start of the year because they know they have Volpe and they know they have Peraza waiting in the wings. That's fine. They should have made this move a couple of weeks ago. This move is long overdue. Peraza can pick it at shortstop. They told you he was big league ready defensively going back to the beginning of the year, and he's been raking in the minor leagues. The Yankees are in a dire... Need of a spark. And I remember the spark that Andy Pettit gave the Yankees in 1995. And I know this was for over a longer period of time, but remember what Chin Ming Wang and Robinson Cano did for the 2005 team? Or in 2007, it was Jabba Chamberlain and Melky Cabrera and Phil Hughes to a lesser extent. We've seen that with younger players. And considering what the Yankees are getting out of shortstop, all the more reason. All the more reason. So, how are you? All right, who's next? JJ, how's it going? It's Scott from Charlotte.
3: I got three points on the Mets, but first I want to say congrats on hitting me over um, with your three pars in Vegas. Next time we play, I want to see five pars. You'll get there, my man. Okay, number one. this Jimmy Trumpet thing was awesome. I don't know. How, I didn't know how it was going to work with playing for a live concert for a closer to come in against the Dodgers, the team that's on pace to break the record for most wins. And you got a one-run lead against this team, but it was awesome. Diaz came out excited, fired up. It was some quality entertainment there. All right, number two, the Mets have to resign the ground. I don't know how they haven't done it already. Could you imagine letting them have their first, homegrown hall of famers and see her just walk especially if he goes to the Braids. i mean that scares me and the way he's talking to the media the way that steve cohen's talking to the media it doesn't seem like they're close you absolutely cannot let this guy walk he must see tv every night. and number three what did mark Vientos do to billy epler i mean did this guy bang his sister or something i mean all the guys on his hit all year long Mets have been Gaping hole at third base. I mean, he's got like a 900 OPS in Syracuse. He's hitting something like 345 in August. Call him up already. I'm sick of seeing Escobar stink every day, in and out. I mean, you got a hole at catcher. You can't do anything about that. You got a hole at DH. I mean, the Mets haven't hit lefties since Piazza. I mean, this guy Darren Ruff. We traded four guys for he can't hit. I mean, if Mark Vientos really can't play third base on a daily basis, you can sprinkle them in there and then hit them as at, at, at the right-handed DH, pair them with
1: back. Call them up already.
3: I mean, what's the guy got to do? All right, we'll catch up soon. I'm out.
1: I appreciate it, Scotty. First of all, appreciate the love from Vegas. We did hit the over at two and a half by the skin of our teeth, but a win is a win and a cover is a cover. Um, as far as your Mets points, I agree on the Timmy Trumpets thing. That had disaster written all over it in prior Met regimes. The fact now that the Mets can play off of that and it's successful and it's fun and everybody's happy about it speaks volumes about where the franchise has come, Cohen's impact, and Diaz just being an absolute monster. Vientos is interesting. I would like to see him. You get nothing out of Rough. Vogelbach's hobbled. Escobar. Now he's going to play more because Beatty is finished for the year. I'm intrigued. Now, I don't know if Vientos can play where you're going to put him in the field or whatnot. Let him come up and hit. That would be my thought process there that maybe come September, he has a role on this team. And all options should be explored. Trying to win a World Series. DeGrom, look, the Mets have the money to keep him. I don't think that's the question. I think the question is does Jake want to be here? And there have been some reports that suggest. He does not. I wouldn't worry about that now. I know he's the best pitcher you've had since Tom Seaver. I know Doc at his peak may have something to say about that. We know how Doc's career ended up going with the New York Mets. DeGrom, still a beast, still a monster, future Hall of Famer. Worry about this year. Because you don't know with the age of these two guys, DeGrom and Scherzer, if you're getting this again. Strike and seize the moment. Worry about this year. Worry about the offseason when it rolls around after the postseason. Okay, last but not least. Let's hear it, Steph.
4: JJ, Justin in Miami. I think my prior call got cut off or didn't go through. But look, I know there's some people saying, a good move by the Knicks not trading the the farm for Mitchell. I got to disagree. If you look at this offer that Cleveland gave them, the Knicks could have beat this offer pretty easily and not given up everything. First of all, three unprotected picks from the Knicks is worth way more than three protected picks from a team that now has Mobley, Mitchell, Yeah, uh, Darius Garland. So I have a hard time believing that Utah wouldn't have done that deal. And I probably could have given them three and and thrown a couple protected and gotten Julius Randle in the deal too. When you look at they took Colin Sexton off the Cavs hands. I think what people are missing though is the point. There's uh, there's a lot of people saying, well, it's not worth it to trade for Mitchell because you're, you're so far away from a title. You may not even win win 50 games, but, but the point is you got to get it the first star in the door. And Donovan Mitchell wanted to be here, and unlike when a guy's a free agent, you had the most assets you could have brought in here. And now that you didn't, the question is, who's that first star? Because if you look at the, the horizon, there's no great free agents next year. There's not another guy out there that profiles as good as Mitchell who's really unhappy and wants to get out or even wants to come to New York. And now you've said Donovan Mitchell's not good enough for that first guy, so so the bar is set high. I don't want to see the Knicks now. This is my biggest concern: is this team's not going to be good? They're not going to be a playoff team because now Cleveland's definitely better than them. And so, what if this team gets off to a five and nine start with a guy and Leon Rose now who's in his third year? you he going to face pressure now and say, I got to make a move, and now turn around and trade? Okay, maybe seventy-five cents of what you trade would have traded for Mitchell, but for a far worse player. Like, I don't want them to now go bring in DeAndre Fox or someone and give up one or two unprotected members. And that's my concern here is this, this franchise has no direction. I could just see a panic loop coming. You got all these assets. Are you now going to trade all these assets for a worse player? Because when your team's not going to be good, I, you know, the last thing I'll say is this. This team's not going to be good. So you got to do one of two things. Trade Julius Randle right now. You're not going anywhere. Let's see OB Toppin play. That's what the fans want. I don't want to see Julius Randle pounding the ball into the ground for a franchise that's going nowhere. You have the assets to be able to get him off the books, so do it. And if you're not going to do that, well, then the next thing you have to do is you've got to trade Obi Toppin while he still has a good amount of value. You could flip Toppin right now for at least a first, maybe two. And you know what? I'd rather have Toppin. But if I'm going to play over top in five minutes a game, you're just going to destroy the asset. So if you're going to play Randall because you're convinced that, hey, Randall's going to have this big bounce back year, well, then trade Toppin now so that we should roll over the asset. But all in all, I don't think it's a good day for New York. I don't think holding on to assets is a good thing when we have no superstar. We have no path to get one. There's no free agent that appears to be coming here. Good call.
1: A couple of different things there. One, I didn't want to trade Barrett. Now, you didn't suggest where you stood on that. I did not want to trade Barrett because, to me, that's almost a net negative in many ways. All right, you gain Donovan Mitchell, who's better, but you lose R.J. Barrett. How much better does that make you? But I am bummed that they couldn't get it done. The unprotected picks would not have scared me. Obi Toppin, putting him in the deal, would not have scared me. Quentin Grimes, for that matter, would not have scared me. Not good enough for Utah. Utah didn't want R.J., Mitch. Topping and three unprotecteds. According to Woj, who's pretty accurate about that stuff, he turned it down. But the most important thing you said in that call that would concern me from a Knicks perspective is what's next. I'm with Deion Randall. I get rid of him at all costs. I want to see Topping at this point get that burn, get that playing time. Randall, to me, in many ways, is a detriment to that, and he is in the way of that. He's never going to be as good as he was two years ago. Under no circumstance. I don't care if Jalen Brunson is here or not. He's never going to be as good. But what's the end game for this Nick regime? What are they trying to accomplish? What are they trying to build? Sooner or later, you got to go big fish hunting. And another one goes by the boards. That continues to be a common theme. Big whiff, big whiff, big whiff across the board. Guys spent a lot of time with the Knicks. Curious to get his take. Zach Braziller, college football's coming up. He's as giddy as anybody about the New York Mets. ZB from the New York Post, up next.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it.
5: You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil
2: Visit JiffyLube.com.
1: So let's welcome in a guy who's gonna have a lot on his plate. College football is here. He spent all summer with the Knicks. The Mets are in first place. They make a statement, two out of three win over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's run the gauntlet with our main man, Zach Brazil of the post. Buddy, long time no speak. What's happening?
5: What what is up? It's what a day in New York, huh?
1: You ain't kidding, and I thought you were the perfect guy to bring on because you are so well-versed. You are a renaissance man. I'm starting with the Knicks and Mitchell. You were with the Knicks all summer. Was the feeling around Vegas that the Knicks are going to end up with Donovan Mitchell? What was your gut sense on that?
5: I, I've been saying it for a while. I thought the second day of training camp he'd be a Nick. Uh, I was stunned. First of all, I think the Jazz did great. I mean, they got a haul. Uh, you know, initially, when I hear the trade, I'm like, How did Leon Rose, how did Leon Rose whiff on this? You know, how did the Knicks not get him? But then when you see the package, I'm like, It makes a little more sense. I mean, they got a ton. They got the three unprotected, they got two pick swaps, they got some good young players. Um, you know, the Knicks would have had to give up a lot to match this deal. And, you know, look. I don't love now where the Knicks are. I mean, they're, to me, like, maybe the ninth or tenth best team in the league. They're right up against the cap. Uh, I'm not a fan of what the Knicks have done now this offseason without Mitchell, but I, I find it a little hard to just kill them here because they got, the Chaz got a ton.
1: I feel the same way, Zach, and I don't know if you felt this way. I was not including Barrett in any deal for Mitchell. And I just saw that deal that Woes reported that could have been done before the draft and free agency and whatnot. Uh, if they would have traded Barrett, Toppin, Mitch Robinson, and all those picks, ZB, I got to be fair, man. I wouldn't have loved that. I wanted Mitchell. I wanted the Knicks to do what was necessary to get him, but not at the cost of giving up R.J. Barrett, dude. I couldn't trade Barrett.
5: Here's, here's you, know, it, you know, I'm kind of torn here. I don't know if RJ Barrett is ever going to be Donovan Mitchell. He probably won't ever be that good. You know, to me, the ceiling for for R.J. Barrett is kind of like maybe an all-star once or twice. You know, Mitchell's gonna be an all-star seven or eight times in his career. But the other the other and the other thing though is let's say you trade Barrett and pick, does that actually make you better now and for the future when your two best players are two six-foot guards? So I, I do understand not wanting to trade Barrett in that deal. But on the other hand, when a big superstar comes around and he's looking for teams, part of the reason the Knicks haven't been in play for that big star is they haven't had an appealing roster. And if you have Donovan Mitchell, your roster is much more appealing. Then again, like we said, right now, I don't. it doesn't make them that much better if you trade, if you get Mitchell and give up Barrett. Now you're tiny. You're not going to be nearly as good defensively. Um, you know, so it, it I'm kind of torn on, on the whole Barrett thing.
1: And I think there's some PTSD from the Knicks because of what went down with Carmelo Anthony. I think there's something to be said for that, dude. Yeah. Um, it's a I different think- regime. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's not Grunwald and, and Donnie Walsh and the guys who made that deal a long, long time ago, and, but Dolan's still there. But, like, the fact that they got mellow, they gave up everything to get mellow, they amnestied. Uh, Billups instead of amnestying Amari Stoudemire, that killed that team right then and there. I wonder if they're thinking about that. Zach,
5: here's all right. Here's here's my issue. I I think Quentin Grimes is a really good player. I'm a big fan of Grimes. I like him
1: too. But they should play him a little bit more if they like him so much. Well, here, well,
5: here's here's the thing. If you're keeping these, you're keeping these young players. You're keeping Grimes. You're keeping Obi. You're keeping quickly. That's that's great. Let's see them develop. Let's see him play. That means Obi's not playing nine minutes a game. That means Grimes is starting this year. Not not coming off the bench, not playing 15 minutes. Starting, he's got to start over over 48. Like you know, that means maybe playing Obi and Randall together. So if you're keeping these guys, you're unwilling to give up all of these guys. The coach has got to play them for this to make any sense. And and look, unless you know the Greek freak comes along in a few years and says I want to play in New York, the way the, the Knicks avenue are getting being a contender is some of these young players developing and becoming very good players. That only happens if they play. And the coach last year was unwilling to play these young guys nearly enough.
1: Let's get to your beloved New York Mets. This series against the Dodgers, you don't want to get nuts. I don't think it means anything come playoff time, but Zach, considering the Dodgers have eaten the Mets and have beaten them up every which way to see him go take two out of three to win that game the way you did yesterday with the Nimmo catch and the Grand pitching the way that he did, the fact that Timmy Trumpets doesn't blow up in your face and then you follow it up with a win today, doesn't it just show you that like the vibe and the feel around the team is totally different? Oh, yeah. I mean,
5: the Dodgers, since, since the Mets beat the Dodgers in 2015, the Dodgers have just annihilated. The Dodgers basically throw their gloves on the field and beat them 8-1. So yeah, it was important. The Mets split them, split the four in LA. It was to me, this series was much more important to the Mets than the Dodgers for multiple reasons. Obviously, the division is still close because the Braves, the, the Braves are just you know such on a, on such a rampage that just never seems to end. And you know, and the Dodgers looked. They didn't. Gonsolin's on the on the you know is hurt. They didn't face Urias. Kershaw pitched today, and the Mets really didn't do much with him. And after five innings, he was out, and that's really when this game turned. So I you gotta take that into account. It's not like you face the Dodgers three best pitchers and you know the Dodgers are, are absolutely cruising, you know, to to with the best record in baseball. So these games aren't nearly as important. But I do think, look, it was significant. You know, it was good to see the Mets score some runs because they really haven't been hitting lately. Ottavino, who let's be real, has been incredible. He's been
1: great. You know, I apologize to him, Zach, at the beginning of the podcast because I saw him with the Yankees shriveling big spots. I didn't think he was very good for Boston last year. He's been money for the Mets. I mean, he's pitching to a true ERA, for goodness sakes. He's been money.
5: Well, he went to a great high school, so that always
1: helps. Oh, you know? of course. Look at you looking out, for you Brooklyn boys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Naturally.
5: Oh, uh, he's been – no, he's been great. I mean, Diaz, obviously, has been amazing. I was – if the Puns own the team and they do – they bring Kimmy Trumpets in, he gives up a grand slam. Oh,
1: guaranteed. Year. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's Baja men all over again. You know it and I know it, bro. It's a disaster.
5: It's, I mean, it's just, you know. From old timers day the other day, to Willie May. I just everything is kind of gone right. I mean, this is the best. I was I was talking to a buddy of mine. This is the best Mets team of of my lifetime. You know, eighty eight is kind of was my first year to really start. You know, watching them as a kid. I, I think they're better than two thousand six. They're better that than two thousand six. That's
1: a bold. That's a bold statement. I think that 06 team was really good, Zach. They were really yeah, good. But, but but just compare the starting pitching though. Oh, way better. Now listen, that Met rotation lost Pedro Martinez and El Duque. Those were two big losses there. You know, I get come playoff time, you were starting Ali Perez and Steve Traxel, but losing El Duque and losing Pedro was gigantic. But Pedro, even then, was kind of
5: He wasn't the
1: same. It wasn't vintage, Pedro. I get that. El Duque was big for them that year. I'm with you from a pitching standpoint. This lineup, though, and I don't know if you feel this way, it's a double-edged sword with the Mets. I love the fact that they grind out at bats and that they put the ball in play. But I do wonder, Zach, when they take it up a notch and face the elite pitching, are they going to hit for enough power? If Alonzo's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, do they have enough guys in that lineup who are going to hit the ball out of the ballpark to go and wreck games come October? That's a question.
5: You know, it's fair, but then I'll I'll, I'll give you they hitch. Look what they did to Strider. and Here, obviously, Strider pitched well against the in Atlanta. And but- Wheeler.
1: I get it. I know. Uh, yeah. No,
5: look, it's it's a fair question. One thing they got to do. I know he got the sack fly today. Stop hitting Jeff McNeil seventh.
1: Yeah, I don't understand that. And listen, Buck Showalter knows more baseball than them I'll ever know in a lifetime. But him hitting seventh makes absolutely no sense. Zero. Tana,
5: who's been great lately, like why those guys against the lefty are hitting after rough that, you know, that hurt them in the first inning today is, you know, you're nitpicking, obviously. But no, no, I think the, the offense is a question. Obviously, the bullpen and, Look, McGill is a the guy they're really going to need. He he had a rehab outing today. He struck out the side, so that's obviously a good sign that they're going to need him. I, I was stunned he went to May in the seventh inning today instead of Lugo. And look, give May credit. He pitched well, and he got through the inning. Um, but no, look, the, the, the middle relief is obviously a question mark. I think McGill helps there. But no, it's going to be hey, – the National League playoffs will be fascinating. The Cardinals are be really great. good.
1: I mean, let's you know? be honest right now, Zach. The National League looks like the better league with the Dodgers, yeah. the Mets. The Braves, the Cardinals are not going to be a walk in the park. The Padres still have the star power of Soto and Machado. I mean, you look at the American League teams. My, my Yankees. Zach, can you believe we're going into Labor Day weekend and I'm sweating out these games against the Rays? Who saw that coming?
5: Don't don't forget the Phillies with Bryce Harper back either.
1: Yeah, I don't believe in the Phillies, though. With, with the way they play defense, dude, I do not believe in the All Phillies. All
5: right, three-game series, three-game series, and you're starting the series with Wheeler and Nola. That could be dangerous for the Braves if, they, if that's the 4-5. No, I get I, that.
1: And they've played the Braves a heck of a lot tougher yeah, they than they have played the Mets for whatever the reason.
5: No doubt, no doubt. I, but yeah, uh, this week, I mean, it, if you would have told me a month ago, even three weeks ago, the Yankees are going to be playing a big series to start September and Tampa, I would have said you're nuts. I'm, I am mean, look, all year, I you know, but during this last few months, I've I've been telling you and telling you anything. I was like, I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine. It's it's been a lo- it's been a lot of bad baseball. I really thought they were kind of okay. Oh, after I they- thought
1: they were fine after the Mets series, Zach. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were fine. That West Coast trip against those two teams to go and lose the way that they did is embarrassing. And now Tampa's red hot. Tampa, as you know, gets great satisfaction in sticking it to the Yankees. The Yankees won't have Cortez. They won't have Cole, and would have killed Cole not to give up the three run home to Watani for goodness sakes. Um, and, and the Yankees going compromised with this lineup? They had to call a kid up at shortstop, Zach. They had to do it. I
5: was, hey, look, it was the right move. My only question is, should have done it a few weeks ago.
1: Should have done it a few weeks ago, a thousand percent. What were they waiting for?
5: Putting it, it kind of unfair to the kid. You know, he, he's in a tough spot now. He's coming up. He's going to be through shortstop for a huge series where there's tons of look. At least it's not here, but there's tons of pressure and expectations. It's. It would have been nicer to maybe give him a few. You know, a few home games and some soft opponents before going and facing the Rays in a huge series. But hey, you know, I mean, I don't get why they waited so long. Um, you know, at least you got homes back, and that'll help a little. But you know, it's it could be look this weekend to me is if they could win two games or even one, I think they're fine. They ever got swept, all of a sudden it's. it's oh, it gets really tough.
1: I am beyond sweating if they get swept this weekend. They need to at least get one, and hopefully, from a Yankee perspective, they find a way to get two. Now, I wasn't letting you get off easy. College football season is hey, here. Hey,
5: real, JD, real quick, you're going to fail crazy. You have the guy you want pitching on Friday.
1: Herman has been their best starter. he uh, great. With Cortez out. Uh, the the Mech game, he was great. The Oakland game, he was great. You're right. Herman going actually kind of puts me at ease a little bit. You know yeah. what does it though, Zach? That lineup stinks for the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, outside it's, of Judge and Stanton, they're not hitting. Yeah.
5: yeah. No doubt. I mean, if Judge, you know, Judge has to do everything. Um, if look, it could be it could be a rough weekend. I mean, it's yeah, it's stunning just to see what's happened. I here's my thing. If they what happens if they just what happens if they just hold on to the division? Do you want do you want the GM out? If they just hold on, they if they the lose ALPS. in a fir-
1: if they lose in a first round this year, yes, yes, I do. It's time sooner or later, Zach. Somebody's got to pay the price. It's fair. I mean, H- how many times can you keep running back the same script and tell me everything's sunshine and lollipops in Yankee Land? How do you do that?
5: Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Personally. Oh, I don't either.
1: Let let me make that clear. I don't think Brian Cashman is going anywhere. If the Yankees lose in a first round, I want change. I I have been crystal clear on that. They lose in the first round this year with the start they had, uh, and they're losing to Seattle or Toronto or Tampa. I want wholesale change in the Bronx. But then again, I wanted the manager gone last year, and the Yankees go and giving him an extension. So what the what the hell do I know? College football this weekend, bro. I'm stoked. Buckeyes, Notre Dame. You got Cincinnati, Arkansas, you got Georgia, Oregon. Buzz, no buzz. Week one, college football.
5: No, I think no, I think there's buzz. I mean I just I'm I'm actually looking forward to LSU Florida State. I actually looking forward to Brian Kelly and you know, I think that's gonna be interesting. No, I think there's buzz. Um not a ton because I think the best games will blow out. I just I don't think Notre Dame's gonna be very good and I think Ohio State is awesome. Um you know, I, I'm looking forward to So you to would
1: 16 and a sixteen and a half with Ohio State is what you're telling me.
5: Oh yeah, yeah, I would. I in the in our picks in the paper I picked Ohio State to cover.
1: And I can understand that, even though Notre I mean, Dame trying to use it as motivation. That Ohio I mean, can, State team looks great, and Georgia is going to be maybe not as good as they were last year, but they're going to be top notch. Correct?
5: Yeah, that's, that's a fascinating game. I mean, they're facing their old defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, look, they're they're still really good. The tight end is going to be an awesome pro. They got studs all over that defense, even after graduating everyone. You know, they're they're going to be really. Good. I'm looking forward to seeing the Clemson quarterback. You know, he he obviously. Is, Really was a mess last year and they missed the playoff for the first time in seven years. And, you know, we'll see what he can do. But, you know, let's be honest. Everyone's playing for second place. I mean, you know, Bama is just absurdly talented. Two best players in the country. Um, talent every, all over the map. You know, I, I know we say this every year because they're always really good. I just, I don't see how they're not playing for the national title. I just, I the, the, the Will Anderson could set the sack record. Bryce Young is going to be in the Heisman mix though, to be the only the second guy ever to win it again. That's the that's the one problem with college football. It's the same teams, and until we get an expanded playoff and really expand interest for the playoff, you know, it's kind of kind of limited in terms of what we get. We didn't wake
1: up. Zach Braziller, my man. New York Post, connoisseur, college football. He's doing the Knicks. He's doing the Mets. He's a man of many talents. He might even be at the U.S. Open this weekend for all I know. Buddy, don't be a stranger. You know where to find us. You're welcome anytime, just so you know. I right,
5: have a good one. Hey, big weekend for your boys.
1: They better find a way to get a game or I'm going to be miserable on Monday. Miserable. Remember I said that. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> See you, all buddy. All right, Talk to you later. That's the great Zach Braziller. We'll set the stage for Labor Day weekend right after this. Good stuff there from our pal, Brazil. I mean, Brazil is all over the place. And we'll have Charles Davis on Sunday. We're also going to have a monster, monster, monster New York, New York announcement. You might hear about it sooner. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But there will be a monster announcement for something cool that we have cooked up for the 2022 NFL season. And don't worry, our main man, Joe B, will be back on Thursday for NFL picks. So that's an addition. This is a biggie, though. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. All right, Jeff Money. College football on the horizon. Baseball this weekend. What are we betting? What's the play? What's the read? What's the angle? Let's hear it, kid. What's
4: up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. This could be for tomorrow, Friday the 2nd, and Saturday the 3rd. we got baseball action for Friday, and we got college football for Saturday. So as far as Friday, I go in with one game in Major League Baseball. I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins minus the 110 over the Chicago White Sox. And on Saturday, I'm still feeling out the college football. I'm going with one game. I'm going to roll with Georgia, minus the 17 over Oregon. Again, Major League Baseball on Friday, I'm going to go with the Twins, minus the 110. And on Saturday the 3rd, I'm going to go with Georgia in college football, minus the 17. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
1: Let's go, Jeff Money. You know, I'm staying away from those two monster spreads. oregon is at 17. Uh, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game is at 17 and a half. The two games that I absolutely love that I will be betting on Saturday, I'm taking Cincinnati plus six and a half against Arkansas. I don't know why that line has moved against the Razorbacks. Cincinnati lost a ton of guys, and yet You got reverse line movement on the Bearcats, so I will be on Cincinnati. The other one I absolutely love is I'm taking Florida plus two and a half against Utah. I know Utah is everybody's darling. They played well in the bowl game last year. That's your lasting memory, blah, blah, blah. Give me the Gators at home getting two and a half. Those are my two plays for college. Uh, I'm sweating out Purdue and Penn State right now as we speak. Oh, it is good to have college football betting back in our life. It's going to be even better to have NFL wagering back in our life. And that's going to be a major topic of discussion going into next week. We got a loaded post-Labor Day plan coming your way. I am so excited for September and October. We're going to kill this fall. It's been such a busy summer. I honestly cannot believe how busy this summer has been. You know, from a pod standpoint, everything we've been doing at Ringer Gambling, me over at Sny, it's been crazy. The Jeter stuff, but I'm ready for football. I am so, so ready for football. And I hope the Yankees don't drive me to drink this weekend. Great work by Stefan. Everybody have a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. We are back on Sunday. Big announcement. Charles Davis, football on the horizon. Enjoy the last unofficial weekend of summer. JJ out. Be good, everybody.